Welcome, everybody, to the 77th episode of the West Coast Preps Podcast. There's been so much going on in the Bay Area. Just when you think football is over, football is not quite over yet tonight. We will have some action-packed stuff from the city of Oakland with a couple of football games there. Basketball's in the thick of things, baseball and softball. You've got track and field. You've got pretty much every sport going on. West Coast Preps is busy, and you should all take a look at everything that's going up and all the kids getting covered right now as I am Chris Jackson joined here by Gregory Moreland Toon. It's been a busy time Greg but we've got a lot of sports coming and a lot of exciting content coming up on the site too especially over these next couple days. Yeah it's been a lot of fun um, obviously very busy times everything what we thought was the whirlwind of football season has turned now into the whirlwind of every other sport it seems like. As like you mentioned, all these sports are going on in the, in the middle of their season. Some are just starting their season. So it's a hectic time, but it's a lot of fun for these athletes and kids that are getting an opportunity to play their sport. And it's a lot of fun for us that we get to go see these athletes perform and have a lot of fun um, and compete, which is, you know, the basis of high school sports to go out, have fun and compete. So it's been a lot of, a lot of good times out there for sure. Yes, it really has. And it's been a big week for also former Bay Area high school athletes who had two Bay Area kids drafted out of the East Bay in the first round of the NFL draft on Thursday night. You had Elijah Vera Tucker, the New York, the New York Jets trade up for him, get some protection for the number two pick at quarterback, Zach Wilson, to get the Bishop Odad grad, Elijah Vera Tucker, the offensive guard from USC at the number 14 overall pick there in the first round. You also saw the Pittsburgh Steelers just get another big running back. That's going to have another big legacy. In Pittsburgh, right, it's almost going to make me root for the Steelers, which is a weird thing to say because I can't stand the Steelers. But Najee Harris is going to make me root for the Steelers now as he went 24th overall to Pittsburgh last night. One of the top high school players ever, not just out of the Bay Area, but ever one of the top rushers to come out of high school football throughout the years, throughout the decades. He was also Alabama's all-time leading rusher, also leads the school in touchdowns. And you look at the running backs Alabama's had, right? T.J. Yeldon, Derrick Henry. I mean, the list just goes on and on of guys that they've had over the last five to ten years. Mark Ingram, right? It's just a, their, their list of Heisman guys goes on. I know Najee Harris is at the top, and, and a lot of people were excited. Najee yesterday was working out of Malibu Fitness in the morning, and then at night celebrating with family, friends in the area. It heard his name get called. Same with Eliza Vera Tucker, Bishop Odell guy. So it was a big night. Bay kids and it looks like we're gonna have a few more drafted here soon especially Javon Hollins another Bishop O'Dowd kid Bishop O'Dowd the Dragons getting a lot of guys coming through the NFL ranks right now Javon Hollins supposed to be looks like a second or third round pick I know I've seen Las Vegas slotted to take him just in some projections but obviously second or third round that's where it really gets even harder to predict where things are going to happen with even more trades etc but it was a big night so congratulations to Najee Harris and Elijah Vera Tucker they hear their names called, their dreams have come true, and it's only the beginning of what those two are going to do in their football careers. Yeah, for sure. A big night for the Bay Area. Um, like you said, Najee, he was in Emeryville. I believe he was uh, celebrating with a nonprofit um, during his draft night, having proceeds go to another nonprofit. That just shows how much he's going to give back to this Bay Area community as he goes through his NFL career. Um, you know, both of these guys are obviously great high school players from the Bay Area, went off to college, did amazing things. And now here you are, first round picks in the NFL draft of 2021. So dreams came true last night um, and dreams are continue to come true for the next two days in the NFL draft. And like you said, we got a few more Bay Area athletes that are in the horizon and projected to be drafted this year as well. So 
a big time for the Bay Area and just goes to show it's the Bay Area versus everybody. Kind of underrated. Um, Najee, obviously not underrated or anything like that, but a lot of kids here are underrated and you just see how much NFL talent comes out of the Bay Area now. Yeah, you just go up and down the list and the cool part about Najee Harris, going back to him, where he celebrated his draft party was at the homeless shelter in Richmond, California, where he used to live there. Had a draft party, a lot of people in attendance celebrating that. Guy that really gives back to his community everywhere he's been. He's going to be a guy that's going to give back to Alabama, to the Bay Area, and now I'm sure to a lot of communities in the Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania region there once he becomes a sailor. But that's a great story there. NFL's filled with a lot of Bay Area guys, right? We've seen some of the best. Tom Brady's got seven rings. He's from Sarah High School. And then the yeah. Patriots, look at what, who they just drafted. Another guy with kind of those weird draft body photos and Mac Jones. I know Greg wasn't too happy, but if there's one place Mac Jones could honestly fit, well, it's New England. And it's weird to say. Yeah. In the group chat, I, let's just say I wasn't happy um, that Justin Fields is taken at number 11 to the Bears. Um, I was praying that they were going to take Mac Jones and Justin Fields would fall to the Patriots. But who knows? Maybe I'm just one of those doubters and Mac Jones is going to prove me wrong. I'd be more than happy for that. Hey, people had doubts about Tom Brady, right? And he had – everyone sees that draft photo of him every single draft night, right? And I know Brady tweeted about that, too. Maybe Mac Jones has the same thing. I know there was that video circulating. He told John Gruden there – or not John Gruden, Roger Goodell, my bad. I'm about to get into John Gruden in a second, though, saying this is where I wanted to go anyway. And, well, he's a New England Patriot. And the Raiders, it looks like they only draft University of Alabama and Clemson guys. Pretty much you got to play for national titles. You know, that's not honestly not a bad way to go. They breed excellence over there, so it's not a terrible way to go. I don't think John Gruden's uh, as dumb as you think he is, Chris. Oh, I didn't say he's dumb. I, I just – it's weird how the Raiders only draft from, like, two schools. It's, it's like they're only watching the college football playoff, right? That's about all they're ever watching. That's all you ever need to watch, right? Not if you're a scout. Yeah. You take uh, – those are the best players in the country – right? If they're playing in the college football playoff, I think that's a pretty easy solution right there. Yeah, you had a lot of fun draft night nuggets because I know Carolina Panthers, they took J.C. Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina number eight. I was watching the ABC broadcast and he wasn't projected to go that high. And Kirk Herbstreit's like, I don't have a bio on this guy. That was about one of the weirder draft night scenarios I think I've ever seen too. But there was a lot of fun ones we saw. We saw the Bay Area kids get drafted. You know, we'll get into happy stuff before we get into the Warriors later in this podcast to wrap it up after just an abysmal, abysmal, horrific, horrendous, disastrous, ridiculous, incredibly bad, lopsided loss. They lost to Dallas, and then what did they do? Lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves by 12 points. The season is fading away from Golden State. They should tank. Yeah, they should tank. They should have. They should have. Yeah, I don't think Steph Curry would approve of that. Tank down. No, Steph. Steph. They the Pelicans three times. Just let them win those three games, and who needs the playoffs? Steph wants to compete, man. Steph's not going to deal with another year or two of this. Take a little. I got a little hip flexor issue, you know. You know, I don't think I don't think that's I don't think that's Steph. I think Steph just. Force your way out and go to the Lakers or something and join LeBron James at this point because – What was he, 37-8-5 and five last night or something last night? And they lose. And they lose. And they lose to the Minnesota. 
which they've won four straight. So maybe Minnesota is better than what they've shown in the last or in the first 60 games this year. But uh, that that's inexcusable if you're Golden State. That's there's really no other way to put it. I know it's a long hey, season. One good thing is though, it can't. Minnesota's pick can't go on the top three, so this is just increasing their odds that it'll be at number four. That's what they did. Light years ahead, Chris. Light years ahead. Are they really light years ahead still now? Yep, light years ahead. Okay, I don't know about that. But when you won the championship in 10 years, they're going to be like, we were light years ahead. We knew all of this was going to happen. Steph Curry will win MVP at 42 years old. Steph Curry wins MVP at 42 years old. That's the most incredible, remarkable feat in all the sports. I, as great it's as better than Tom Brady winning a Super Bowl at 43. That's comparable. I mean, that's that's hard to do. Either one of those is about one of the more remarkable things ever. But you know who else is also light years ahead? The Camp Lindo Boys Basketball Program. I was at their game the other night against Akalani's. Absolute domination. Camp Lindo comes in at number two in the Bay Area. A couple of years ago, they won a state title last year. Weren't able to play for state championships, right, because COVID kind of swept everything away there in those final weekends of the season. Campolundo proved a 5-0. and They went up 23 to nothing after one quarter. And they won this game of Rockalani 60-23. to I know some people are tweeting at us with question marks, like, is that really the score? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really the score. And this is all without four-star junior Aiden Mahaney. He's been out all season long. He didn't play, but Camp Lindo's still rolling. Shows you how great their roster is. They forced 18 turnovers, allowed 23 points. For much of that game, they had more forced turnovers than points allowed. They just had a lot of guys. St. Mary's head coach, Randy Bennett, was in attendance. That's because he's got his two sons on the team, and they looked like studs because Cade Bennett looked like – well, he looked like a West Coast Conference player is the best way to put it. Smart, great, defensively smooth. Just all around Gary game for him, 14 points. Second highest scoring total of the year. Also had three steals. You had Shane O'Reilly at 12 points, was two of five from long range. You had Emmanuel Callas, who was the team's leading scorer coming into this game at 17.3 points per game at 11 points. And he, those previous two games, he had 20 point days in those games leading up to it. But Campbell and though just dominating again. And after Bishop O'Dowd just lost to Mitty, a top three matchup there the other day. These next boys basketball rankings might just be seeing the Cougars at the top. I was just going to bring that up. I was going to say you're talking all these great things about Camp Lindo, but had them at number two in the rankings that just came out this week. Pretty interesting rankings. And like you said, Bishop O'Dowd going down this week to number four midi. It's going to change around maybe just a little bit. Bishop O'Dowd, though, like you said, has a lot of good talent on that basketball team as well they have senior marcellus robertson who's committed to cal and they also have Jalen lewis who is the number two player in that 2023 class that we've already talked about is loaded in football but it's loaded in many other sports as well so but yeah let's go into the basketball rankings just a little bit and talk about some of these big teams yeah and you look at it there were some crazy games this week because de la salle played salesian and salesian Came in at number 12. They have lost their first two games, but you look at those two losses. We're at number seven, Miramonte, number two, Camp Lindo. Certainly quality losses on your resume, right? Those are things if there was a such thing as RPI or those net rankings in high school basketball, well, Salesian would not be penalized for those whatsoever. They come in and they beat number three, De La Salle, on the road in a big game there. They pull out that one. Piedmont's a hot team. There's a lot of things. Though. You've got some big games coming up because you've got Camp Lindo plays – 
Archbishop Reardon this weekend on Saturday evening for a top five matchup, number two at number five. Miramonte is a really hot program. They're coming off a big year last year. Knee, Olabode is just, let's just go through his numbers because I'm, I'm just astonished at what he's doing. He's averaging 21 points, six and a half rebounds, four and a half assists, and two and a half steals per game. He is one of the top players in this region. It's going to be fun to see where he hands up in the Bay Area postseason top 45 for boys basketball, right? That's going to be a fun one to see where he goes in. You've got Dublin Doherty Valley in these rankings, 13 and 14. Dublin loses a lot of guys, but just had one of their players, Caleb Odin, committed to Nevada, Reno. He's now with the program. They lost almost all their top scorers last year. Their leading returning score from the roster last year is their senior guard, TJ Meager, 3.6 points per contest. But Dublin's got the culture. They've got a lot of talent coming up, and they're hungry. They're going to be good. There's just – I mean, you, you go up and down, and there's just some unbelievable programs. And your Granada's the number – 21, and that should show you how great the Bay Area is because last year Granada was the NCS runner up to De La Salle at the Division One level. Yeah, so, up and down this list. Um, we've talked about Piedmont before when we went to their game last weekend. Um, they're at number 11 right now. You go to Monta Vista, another great program. They're sitting at number 17. Oakland Tech is sitting at number 25 after they went 27 and 5 last season and appeared in the North Northern California playoffs. Now Lashton's in here. The Anza SRV who just had a tough loss with Tyler Isaacs scoring 40 the other night as well. They advanced to NCS semis last year before losing to one point by to St. Patrick St. Vincent. So up and down this whole th- whole list I should say, whole rankings absolutely talented all over the court, um, all over the Bay Area. Um, just once again, another great, talented group of athletes in this one. So, and who knows, this could change a lot over the next season. It's been a long time. There's probably a lot of guys that we haven't even seen yet. Um, just because of such a long layoff, it's hard to see like where all these guys are going to project. So a lot of things are going to change most likely in these rankings as we're going to most likely see a new number one next week with Bishop O'Dowd losing. Yes, we definitely will see a new number one. Maybe that's Camp Lundo. Maybe Mitty after the big one jumps into. There's a lot of possibilities. But speaking of Piedmont, too, JoJo Murphy again. He came in averaging 27 points per contest this last game, a 12 to 1, or I should say a 12 point road one over St. Joseph Notre Dame. He had 32 points. He's making a strong case for Bay Area Player of the Year early on. Luke Harris had 24 points in that game. And you're seeing JoJo Murphy recruiting, starting to pick up his head coach, Ben Spencer, texting me the other day saying, St. Mary's wanted some of his contact info. You had UC Irvine and Yale also exchanging just some interest there. Then there's also been just some emails with the University of Colorado, but Division One interest for JoJo Murphy with the way he's playing. I would not be surprised if by the summertime and he gets more just filmed not only the high school scene, but the AAU circuit over the summer that JoJo Murphy's going to be getting some Division One offers. Yeah, for sure. And I'm getting to see him play in person for the first time last weekend absolutely amazing he made some amazing passes got his teammates involved um, shot the ball well drove um, had a breakaway dunk great defense he just did everything well in that game Um, I definitely think that he's going to be deserving and going to have some D1 interest um, as like you said here in the summer as well so it's going to be exciting to see where his recruiting process goes and also with Luke Harris uh his other counterpart on that team as well. Both of them are both great players. Um, excited to see where Piedmont goes this year. 
yeah, that's going to be a fun one. And before we get into some more other rankings for some of these other sports, let's go into the Bay Area postseason top 45. We had more rankings coming out the last few days. Check all of that out at westcoastpreps.com. We've announced numbers 35 through 21 since our last podcast came out on Tuesday. And at number 35 is Zeke Berry, the De La Salle Jr. defensive back and wide receiver. He's a four-star recruit. He had one interception, forced a fumble, had two touchdowns offensively this year, followed up a sophomore year when he had 12 catches for 305 yards and one touchdown. And obviously that run heavy Spartans offensive attack also had a pick last year when De La had its 28th straight NCS title. He's got offers from everywhere. You go up and down Arizona, ASU, Cal, the Oregon schools, Pittsburgh, San Diego State, Tennessee, UCLA. I mean, his list of offers goes on and on. At number 34, he's one of the better quarterbacks in all of California. Sacred Art Prep senior, Teddy Purcell. His numbers, I mean, he just he doesn't make any mistakes. I think is the right way to put it. He's as smart as it gets. And you've got to think something's got to come this kid's way soon. Yeah, he simply did everything for Sacred Heart Prep this year. Tossed for 1,063 yards and 11 touchdowns. Only had one interception this season while also having 105, yard, 105 rushing yards and a score on the ground as well. Sacred Heart Prep went 5-1, and one, and his passing yards were the second most in the CCS, while his 11 touchdown passes were number three as well. Purcell threw 14 touchdowns and just three picks last year as well. And then we jumped to number 33, Dylan Toms, who came back from Utah this year. Absolute workhorse for Camp Lindo out of the backfield this year. Totaled 621 yards and six touchdowns, teeing the Cougars' special ride to an unbeaten record and elite championship. Toms had 621 yards, like I mentioned, and that was number five in the NCS this year. And then we moved to number 32, Corbin Yates. Yeah, the Leland senior receiver in free safety, a two-way standout. Last year as a junior, he had 493 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, 67 tackles, and two picks. In a short and spring campaign this year, get 51 tackles, the second most in the Central Coast section behind Los Gatos is Jake Rip. He also had 180 receiving yards and two touchdowns. He's got a pair of offers, one from Laverne. He's also got a Division I FCS offer from Valparaiso. That number 31 was a kid that I mean, his impact on Livermore High School football and Livermore sports is going to be felt for years to come. Livermore football, before he came in, struggled to win many games. I mean, they would have non-league wins, but get into that East Bay Athletic League schedule, and they would be lucky to win one game a lot of times, right? Well, it changed with Smith as the starting quarterback. Last year, they were 6-5, and five, their first winning record in a couple of decades. This year, they went 5-1, and won one game away from a league championship that Foothill did win. But Smith, just a duo throw quarterback, and like Teddy Purcell, doesn't make mistakes. 693 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, 360 rushing yards, and five scores. And he's got offers from Lewis and Clark and Whittier. And Smith, one of the best performers he saw in the offseason, and that certainly transitioned with his leadership, competitiveness, his talent, and everything else he does onto that field this spring. Yeah, I would say he's another under-recruited quarterback out of the Bay Area. We just saw Brady finally get his preferred walk-on and commit to Oregon State. Um, I would say Sean Smith is another guy that is under-recruited quarterback, like many of the quarterbacks and athletes out in the Bay Area. He's just another one to add him to the list because he deserves something, just the leadership he brings to the team, um, just the, the absolute grit and grind that he's going to give to a team and the will to win. Uh, that's what Sean's going to bring to it or any roster that he goes to. So I'm excited to see 
if he gets any more offers and where he ends up going for his uh, post high school career. But then we're going to move on to number 30, J.P. Murphy, the San Ramon Valley senior tight end and defensive end. As he's a two-way star SRV. He caught 14 passes, had 332 yards and three touchdowns in addition to one interception and one fumble recovery after SRV went four and two last season. Murphy finished with a team high 476 receiving yards, eight touchdowns, four sacks and an interception while garnering first team all the honors at tight end and defensive end last year. Murphy signed his letter of intent to play at San Diego State over many offers like Arizona State, FAU, New Mexico, San Jose State, UC Davis, UNLV, USC, and William Mary. And then we go to another high prospect, Dorian Hale from De La Salle. Yeah, dual threat lefty there for the Spartans, a Sacramento State signee. Originally, he was not going to play senior season, but then he elected. This was his last ride with all of his friends and a lot of kids that he's just loved playing with for the Spartans, a lot of the great things they've accomplished. He had five touchdown throws, six rushing scores. De La Salle went 6-0. And, oh. and this is just after a big junior season he had, right, when he had 17 touchdown passes, just three picks, 2,047 passing yards, 588 rushing yards, and six touchdowns. In addition to that Sacramento State offer where he signed, he had Cal Poly, Columbia, Florida Atlantic, Georgetown, Idaho, Lehigh, Montana, Northern Arizona, in Valparaiso. And then at number 28 is Jack Andrews, the Monta Vista junior tight end. Just a huge target there on the outside for Monta Vista. He had a great showing in the Winter Circle Athletics Champions League with Cal Strength. Did a lot of the same things for Monta Vista. Six foot five, 230 pounds. He had 28 catches for a team high, 476 yards and six touchdowns. His 476 receiving yards were the second most among all California tight ends of the spring, only behind Sonora's Gabe Milborn, who had 524. And he's got five offers from Army, Colorado State, Dartmouth, Fordham, and Fresno State. And one of his teammates, Gavin Cribb, senior running back, came in at number 27. Yeah, Cribb is another guy who was just an absolute workhorse and did it all for the, out of the backfield for the Mustangs this season. In his final high school campaign, Cribb finished with 562 rushing yards, six touchdowns, and then 216 receiving yards on a team-high 36 catches, and also throwing for one score in that opening game that they almost won against Akalani's. Crib led the Mustangs in rushing as a junior in 2019, going for 778 rushing yards and 258 receiving yards in their run to a North Coast section semifinals appearance. He also has two offers from George Fox and Puget Sound. And then you go to number 26, Nick Van Danza, who put up just amazing numbers again at Branham this year throwing for 1,567 yards and 13 touchdowns as a senior, becoming the number six passer in California during the spring and number one passer in the CCS. Production came after he had 1,414 yards last year and 22 touchdowns and four interceptions while rushing for 678 yards and seven touchdowns. And Branham's impressive ride to the CCS runner-up finish last year. He has one offer right now from Pacific and got that in January add him to the list of under-recruited quarterbacks in the Bay Area. And he's just one of those class of 2021 kids that's unfortunately a victim of the pandemic and that whole transfer portal, the free year of eligibility for a lot of these kids in California not playing until the spring. It's kind of what Teddy Purcell is suffering from, right? You put up a lot of production, you've got all the talent, the intangibles, but there's just roster spots on open at a lot of these schools. And a lot of kids might have to go junior college. And I got to thank these I think we spoke about it a week or two ago on the podcast, this junior college football in California. 
over these next couple of years is going to be about as good as it's ever been. It's always been good, but I think these next two years might be the best it's ever been just because of so many remarkable athletes that are just going to be ending up there because the roster opportunities just weren't there. You look at a Brady Hutchinson sort of had scholarship offers. I don't think there's any, there's no other way to slice and dice it. He got a preferred walk-on offer and he's going to be playing in the Pac-12. And I think eventually he's going to be a kid that earns a scholarship there too. There's a lot of kids that are going to just be overlooked right now out of California because of those roster numbers. And once they go to junior college and put up massive numbers and get even tougher playing junior college football, they're going to end up going somewhere getting scholarships to a lot of division one schools and other levels and putting up just remarkable, remarkable seasons. And guys like Nick Van Dams and Teddy Purcell are going to be others. And we'll go more into this, the class of 2021 and how they're being affected by this on next week's podcast to open up next week. So we'll get more into that in a little bit to go into just a list of guys that are really should get higher recruiting numbers, more offers, and just see maybe how there are other ways for these kids to get some offers going forward and the way junior college is going to look these next couple of years and how some of these guys will pan out. But at number 25 is Jay Calcogno, the California junior receiver, the son of head coach Danny Calcogno, who first year head coach, we mentioned him before, brings him that spread attack, and Jay Calcogno, his son, shined in that spread offense, 607 receiving yards, three touchdowns. He also had two passing touchdowns on three completions. His 607 receiving yards were number 12 in California and number one in the North Coast section. Then another East Bay guy comes in at number 24, the Cal signee from De La Salle, athlete, wide receiver, defensive back, Dimaggio Hearns. Yeah, Hearns unstoppable in all three phases for De La Salle in another undefeated season for them. Hearns going to Cal this for next year, I should say, returns two kickoffs for scores, had three touchdown catches, intercepted two passes, one which he returned for a pick six. Clearly, when he gets the ball in his hands, he's an absolute weapon and can score at any time he has the ball in his hands. So that helped the Spartans go to perfect 6-0. and Aside from Cal, he also had Cal Poly, Columbia, Florida Atlantic, Georgetown, Idaho, Lehigh, Montana, Northern Arizona, and Sacramento State all offered Hearns, but he ultimately is a signee at Cal at this moment. And then you go number 23, Maxwell Weaver from Campbell Lindo, senior wide receiver. Yeah, Davidson signee, Division One kid here in a couple of months. The funny part about him is he quit football a couple of years ago for a year. Then there were rumors of him coming back to football. There, Davidson was recruiting the area. They asked Campbell Lindo's head coach, Kevin Macy, you know anybody? Then they're like, well, there's these rumors that and Max Weaver might be coming back to football because Max Weaver was a hooper and part of that Camp Lono State Championship squad and decided he was going to come back. Davidson ends up loving what Max Weaver does, and you can see why. Why he's going to be going to the FCS level in the home of Stephen Curry, right, at Davidson. Maybe he has another story like Steph did at Davidson, but this time on the football field. Camp Lono won 6-0 and this year, a league championship. We were having 527 receiving yards, six touchdowns. He had a stretch of three straight games with 100-plus yards. It's a phenomenal season for him. Guys like Cam, Dylan, Toms, and all of those guys at Camp Lindo and that special ride for that senior class. The number 22, another athlete, a two-way guy, is Noah Short from the Kings Academy. Yeah, another do-it-all guy, the Army signee. Totaled six scores and more than 350 rushing yards and 100 receiving yards in just four games for Kings Academy this season, following a dominant 2019 campaign when he had the 19th most tackles in California with 160 
in addition to 17 tackles for loss, five interceptions, and then he had 362 kick return yards, 278 punt return yards, 552 rushing yards, and 404 receiving yards, all in 2019. Like, he, he's just a do-it-all guy, Army signee, and then he also had offers from Air Force, Northern Arizona, Southern Utah, Utah, and UC Davis. A definitely do-it-all guy and exciting to see what he's going to do with Army and that roster over there. And then we go to number 21, Robert Freeman, El Cerrito athlete and junior. A power five prospect, Freeman built a sensational sophomore season with more gaudy production as a junior this spring. Yeah, he had 750 all-purpose yards, seven touchdowns. El Cerrito went 4-0, had a league championship, number 23 spot in the Bay Area football rankings. I mean, him on defense with El Cerrito, defensive back El Cerrito, gave up just seven points combined in four games. They had three shutouts as follows up Freeman sophomore year when he had 16 touchdowns and eight picks. He has an Arizona state offer. So he rounds out guys we've been out so far from numbers 35 to 21 at number 21. Stay tuned for the rest of these rankings on westcoastpreps.com as this weekend on Saturday, we'll have number 20 through 16 Sundays, 15 through 11 and Monday is 10 through six. And then Tuesday we'll wrap it up with numbers five through one. And then going back into these rankings, just go through some baseball stuff that's happened recently. Baseball rankings, a new number one again, right? It's just, it just goes to show you just how some WCAL baseball and Bay Area baseball is. Valley Christian has now won six of its last seven. They're 11 and two overall. They're number one in the Bay Area baseball rankings. They also just had a walk off one over Bellman here after these rankings came out. Sarah at number two, Midi at number three, Palo Alto number four, St. Francis number five. You go into it. Who are the top five teams or WCAL squads? Yeah, we talked about WCAL and Evol. Those are the two main ones. And I feel like Evol, we don't see our first Evol team until number six at Cal. Um, So WCAL definitely leading in that race for baseball this season. Uh, We'll see football. It seemed like it was kind of going Evol direction. Um, But when you go to baseball, WCAL is definitely dominating so far early this season. Yes, it is making a strong case to be the number one league in California for baseball this season with the amount of teams they've got. You got Cal at number six, San Heritage at number seven. San Ramon Valley makes a huge jump after winning eight of its last nine. They took two of three against De La Salle, shut them out in two of those games, jumping up from number 17 to number eight. Yeah, they're one of those surprises of the season, I would say, so far, especially I saw them in their first game of the season against Granada. Um, definitely surprised to see them go eight of nine, um, but they've definitely improved over from their first game of the season to where they're at right now because being two out of three from Dallas South is an impressive feat, and they're at number nine. Yeah, and another EBAL team that's really moved up is Doherty Valley, right? They just bumped up another five spots to number 16. They've won five of the last six going into these rankings. They recently had a 3-2 win over number six, Cal, when Tyler Durant had a home run and two RBIs. Doherty Valley's moving up the rankings as well. So baseball's it's going to be a fun race to the finish line here. And so is it for softball, too, because softball, our first ever West Coast Prep softball rankings came out this afternoon at westcoastpreps.com. A lot of undefeated teams at the top four. Let's just go through it a little bit. St. Francis. They're 12 and 0 at number one. They've outscored teams 124 to 15. Jessica Oakland, just a star performer, 595 average, eight home runs, and 28 RBIs. 
I say that's a pretty good 12 games so far. Yes. Yeah, not bad. And then you move into the next undefeated team, Heritage, is sitting at 15-0, outscoring opponents 188-17, to and scored 10-plus runs in all but three of his games. You have Tiana Bell, who boasts a 6.59 average with nine home runs, nine doubles, and 33 RBIs. So just to one-up Jessica Oakland somehow, going to 6.59 average. Amazing for Heritage athlete Tiana Bell. And then you move to number three, Amador Valley, who sits at 8-0 currently. Yeah, I mean, they've got four NCS titles since 2011, and they're just building off all the success they've had. They're undefeated again at 8-0. They just beat Livermore 5-3, to three, Livermore top five team at number five. You've got also got number four, Vanden, 11-0. They've had four straight shutouts, and they've got Hazel Gray, just an unbelievable player at the plate on the mound for Vanden. She's got 20 RBIs and three home runs, and then she's also struck out 82 batters as a pitcher. Insane. Insane numbers. As you can see, insane athletes once again on the softball, on the diamond for them. And then you go to number five, Livermoreston at 12-1, and one, who have absolutely played great this year, but came to an end, their perfect record, with a 5-3 to three loss to number three, Amador Valley. Freshman Jay Cosgriff leads the team in home runs with five and 20 RBIs. The Cowboys do hold a seven to six when an extra is over number seven Foothill and sandwiched in between them is number six Mitty at five and one. And then Foothill is at 10 and two currently. You go down to Redwood is number eight, College Park number nine, and Marin Catholic rounds out your top 10 currently. Yes, yeah, so that's a really solid top 10. We'll go through some of these top performers from a lot of these teams on our rankings at Fred Redwood. You've got Sadie Leonard. She's got 94 strikeouts and 52 innings. More remarkable production. You've got Alhambra's got Allison Patrick. She's got 83 strikeouts. You had Castro Valley just finish up their season. You had a sophomore, Kendall Todd. She had four doubles, three triples, and three home runs, and also 14 RBIs. At Aragon is number 13. You've got Olivia Zanardo, 778 average, three doubles, five home runs, and 12 RBIs. Some other real top performers out of the Bay Area this year. Let's just go to Alameda, number 17. They had freshman Jasmine Worley, 32 strikeouts, zero walks on the mound. You've got Kenna Davis, who's got 44 strikeouts, and she's also got 23 RBIs there at Clayton Valley Charter. Just finished up at season. You had the UCLA commits, Rudin Woolery. 571 average with six home runs and 21 RBIs. We'll have a story on her next week at westcoastpreps.com. Random's got a freshman in Alexis Bazorquez, 0.86 ERA, 27 strikeouts and no walks. Some of the more impressive numbers I think you're ever going to see with some of these athletes that I mentioned. Yeah, I mean, the list you go up and down, we talked about with basketball just earlier in this podcast. We've talked about it with just about every single sport. You go up and down these rosters, and there's some amazing talent with some incredible numbers that you would almost think are unfathomable sometimes. Um, And it's just like that on the softball diamond. So our first ever top 25 rankings for softball are out. So go take a look at them and go take a look at all 25 teams as there's some really good ones this year again yes there are and be sure to stay tuned for all of our content this week we're going to be at a lot of games again we've got some more football tonight in Oakland we've got a couple of games Silver Bowl championships out of McClymouth High School there in Oakland I'll be there so check that out Greg will be at the boys basketball game of the week between Piedmont and Castor Valley gets to see more of Jojo Murphy and Luke Harris 
That's going to be a fun one for him to cover. As you can see, his stuff at westcoastpreps.com. Before we wrap this up, Greg, yeah, anything you want to get off your chest, anything about the Warriors you just you have to say, NFL draft? Um, I mean, man, I, it wasn't a great night for me last night. Not a huge fan of Mac Jones. I hope he proves me wrong. But I don't think he'll start this year. I think Cam Newton will still start. But I could see maybe see like a week 10, something like that, maybe a change. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. As far as the Warriors, embarrassing. That's what this week was. Absolutely just embarrassing. So what do you think of Steve Kerr right now? I know, I know, I know you've started to have some doubts about him over the last oh. week. Here's my issue with him. After the press conference, the press conference after the Mavericks game, he says, it's my fault they weren't prepared like to play a playoff game because that's what that was. They win that game, they could easily be a six seed. Yeah, that was their best chance of that. And now now they might not even make the playing game the way they're playing. But then they go into the next game against the Timberwolves and say, oh, it's the player's fault because they don't box out. So which one is it? Is it your fault because they weren't ready, or is it the player's fault because they have issues on the def- on the defensive boards? Honestly, if you're not beating Minnesota, it's a lot more than boxing out. It's not being prepared. So, but, I just – he's flipping and flopping it. It's my fault. No, it's their fault. They're not boxing out. We have issues with this team. Figure it out. At this point, I think there needs to be a new voice in that locker room. Oh, wow. Is Greg saying he wants Steve Kerr gone? Is that what Greg is saying? This is breaking news, everybody. Sound the whistles, sound the buzzer, sound the alarms. Greg, go in, go in for a minute or two as long as you want. Why Steve Kerr should be gone? Why he should be fired? It's as simple as the players just are not listening to him anymore. He doesn't have that same voice. He's not making adjustments. And when he does make an adjustment, he just goes right back to his motion offense that just doesn't work with the players that they have on the roster. At this point, the roster isn't good enough. The coaching isn't – they're not developing players like they should. Jordan Poole should be better than what he is at this point. Um, JTA did not get nearly enough minutes in the beginning of the season, and now he finally does, and you saw what happened the last the two weeks prior to this game. I think it's just time for a new voice, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's one of the best coaches probably still out there. It's just his voice is no longer working in Golden State. Oh, at least right now. So I think the biggest thing I've had too is they've been straddling that line. They flip-flopped of getting guys minutes for development, but then going for ones at the same time, and they just can't make a decision on that. And they haven't all year. They haven't made that decision with James Wiseman when he was healthy, Kevon Looney, Jordan Poole, a lot of these guys, and now it's starting to bite them. Yeah, okay. Wiseman should have never been pulled out of starting lineup. He should have never been criticized for missing a COVID test. I mean, the dude's 19 years old. Give him a break. Didn't you have it after that, too? Draymond Green was a little kind of confused about why he got suspended. Draymond's always confused about something, isn't he? Yeah. He's been suspended by that team, too. He, un, unrightfully. That was not his I, fault. I, I don't know. He, he Publicly, he crossed the line. I, I don't care. If you're going to suspend one of them, you suspend both of them. Don't coddle KD just because he's Kevin Durant and you're scared that he's going to leave, and he's still left. So that's – that's on the Warriors management. Another Steve Kerr. Oh. What about Bob Myers in that situation, too? Uh, he's Monta Vista. I can't talk crap about Bob Myers. 
that you can criticize some of the decisions because now all of a sudden you're saying Jordan Poole is not developing like you wanted to. Just a couple weeks ago, you're like, Jordan Poole is really good. Really like coming on and developing. He is developing, but he should have been at this point last year when they were terrible and he should have been playing 30 minutes a night at that point. When you're when you only won 10 games, why not throw out a rookie out there and let him play 30 minutes a night and develop and see what you got? Instead, it takes him going to the G League and getting confidence there. It doesn't make sense to me. Like you said, they're straddling this line. I don't, why are veterans out there playing last year when Jordan Poole should be playing 30, 35 minutes a night? This is why I'm concerned about James Wiseman really becoming a long-term fixture with the Warriors, too, is because of them struggling to straddle this line. Yeah. And it, it's a line that <clears throat> I understand why they're straddling it because they are in this place where they want to win now with Steph and they only have so many years left of him being the great Steph Curry that we know until he turns into probably just a sharpshooter like Ray Allen did at the end of his career. But at the end of the day, you got to, you got to develop players because that's how you're going to keep them consistently good. And now here's a good, here's a question for you because Steph Curry's timeline is different than the Warriors timeline, right? The Warriors timeline is for now in the future and Steph Curry's all about, Got to be some thinking in his head. I know what your question is. Know, I'm not saying him leaving, but he's got to be thinking, like, we've got to make some decisions to win now. Like, we've got to make some moves. Now, do you think the war – which way do you think the Warriors go this offseason? This offseason is going to be big. I know they've got picks they can deal. There's going to be some interest there. Do they go after – do they go for a home run swing, or do they just keep these draft picks? And let's say they do go for the home run swing and trade these draft picks. Who do they go after? But the problem is, what cast space do they have? If they're going to trade a draft pick to go get someone, you have to get rid of someone. So is it Wiggins? Is it Clay? Which one is it going to be? Clay to market isn't nearly as good as it would would have been because he's coming off two major injuries. Do they trade Draymond? Do they assign and trade with Ubre in there? Do they trade Wiseman too? I don't see a Draymond trade. We all see the difference of this team when he's on the court and when he's off the court. Can't trade Draymond. I think his value was proved at the beginning of the season when he wasn't there for a few games and then when he came back. Do you really want to trade Wiseman? He's probably one of the top five raw talents out there right now. Just raw talent of what he can do with a basketball on a basketball court. He's definitely up there. I don't think you trade him. He's young. Definitely. I don't want to see him go. But how is Wiseman's timeline going to work out with Steph's? So you've only got so many more years of Steph. Uh, it doesn't, but you figure out a way. He's still well, going to improve. Will the Warriors actually figure out a way, though? He's got to figure out a way. He, at the end of the day, he's the professional athlete. He's the one that's got to train and put in the work. He's the one that's got to work with a Kevin Garnett in the offseason and the one that's got to train with all these different guys that are willing to work with him and go put in that time, effort, and money to get his body right, get stronger, get bigger, and put in the skill set because he just doesn't have the skills when it comes to being a big man. Defensively, he's always a second late. Offensively, he doesn't really know what's going on. So he has to put in the work, and I think that's not necessarily all on the Warriors. I think it's all on – mostly on him trying to figure it out. But he's 19. You don't expect him to figure it out. He's played three games in college and then played – what, 45 games this year? So the offseason's the biggest thing for him. So luckily this surgery he just had won't affect his offseason program at all. It doesn't seem like it, at least. 
So that's what he needs. They, they did choose the longer term route with Wiseman surgery. There was two options, more of the short, short term kind of rehab or the longer term. So Wiseman's is going to be pushed back a little bit too. So we're going to see how that affects his off season a little bit though also. Yeah, I, it shouldn't affect it too much though. I think he'll still get a pretty good off season and be able to work out and not rehab necessarily the full off season and be able to get a good training and learning experience in the off season. And I think that's another reason why you don't trade Draymond. I think Draymond is going to teach teach up teach up James Wiseman more than anyone else on that coaching staff. Yeah, Draymond might be the best leader for Wiseman, not even the coaches at this point. He might be. Draymond's the best coach on the Warriors right now. Maybe Draymond should be a player coach. That's like, like I said, he is the best coach on the Warriors on that staff right now. And that's not what you need. No, that's not, that's not a good sign if you're saying that. So Greg wants Steve Kerr gone all these times. Greg has defended Steve Kerr for years and centuries since the earth was first formed. And now Greg is done with Steve Kerr. So mark that down. Mark this time on your calendars. 12.18 p.m. on Friday, April 30th. Gregory Morlantoon is done with Steve Kerr. Here's a question for you. Do the Warriors win five titles if Steve Kerr is not the coach? Do they win five titles if he's not the coach? So, you're, so are you asking me if – Do they win the two finals that they lost if Steve Kerr is not the coach? No, I don't think so because you got to look at it too. There's a lot of different what if scenarios you can play. Because even if they won 2016, well, then does Kevin Durant decide to come back? Or regardless of what happens in those finals, right? With Kevin Durant deciding to come, I know that that culture and that system that Seeker did have, Kevin Durant was really drawn to it. He was when he first came in that first year, year and a half. Kevin Durant was very much in awe of that Warriors system and Steve Kerr's style. So it's hard to say that without Steve Kerr that they won five titles because Steve Kerr did change the culture for a while. Can I say that Kevin Durant changed that culture and kind of ruined the Warriors organization, though? Even though they won two titles, did he almost ruin the organization with Kevin Durant coming in? It's worth the sacrifice, 100%. You won two titles. I don't think so because even if at that point, if Kevin Durant doesn't come, they still got to pay guys. Harrison Barnes wanted money. You wanted, that was going to screw up the cap situation. And I'm, I'm not sure you want to give a lot of money to a guy like Harrison Barnes. Let's be honest. They put in a lot of money to some of these other guys. They're not winning some of those titles. That's fair. That's fair. They're, they're not beating Houston in a series. I don't, don't think Houston in a series. Don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they would have. Honestly, I really don't think they would have. Wow. You think that we Warriors would not have beat Houston? That's in the starting five over Kevin Durant there. That's the most asinine comment you've ever made. In 2018, Harrison Barnes. Do you really think Harrison Barnes? No, no. There's no way. No. Harrison Barnes fit the system. Kevin Durant changed the system. Yeah, it worked. I mean, it was worth every it was worth every penny, every hiccup of that situation was worth every second of that. It won too. I'm not saying it's worth the sacrifice. I'm just saying long term. I think it changed the Warriors organization. It's worth the two titles. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying in the long term, I think that changed the culture. It changed everything about the Warriors organization. 
I don't think that's a an incorrect they statement. Changed the culture and their style, but it wouldn't have affected how many titles they would have won in the long run. I'm saying I, I agree. But, but I think culture, they, but culture wise though, culture wise though, it did change the Warriors operated though. It really did. I think for the five years, I don't think it changes anything. They probably win three. But I'm saying for the next ten years, I think that signing Kevin Durant and bringing on Kevin Durant has changed everything. If he stayed, you know, kind of like what we thought he would for the next 10 years, then you're fine. But the fact that he left after being here for three years changed the whole outset of the Warriors organization, I think. Just kind of looking at you, how much of the culture now has been affected by guys like Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston leaving? Livingston retiring and Andre Iguodala leaving. Very true. Those, those guys are glue guys, the yeah. kind of guys that you need. That's what made strength in numbers. That's what made the Warriors so good. They have strength in step. That that should be the stain. Strength in step. If he I goes off to 50, you win. I don't want to see strength in numbers anymore. Because they don't have that. No, they don't have anything close to that. What is it? Joy in buckets? That's their new saying now. Is that what they actually say? Something like that. It's like the smiley face basketball. It's terrible. Oh, that's odd. Okay, that's horrible. That's not good. And Steph, we trust. That's what it should be. That's all. Because that, that's their only chance. He, even when he goes off for 37, they still don't win. That's why even if they get into a playing game, they're going to get smacked because what our defense gonna, what's our defense is going to do when you can prepare for even a playing game or the playoffs? Well, boxing. I think we all know the style they're going to do. Yeah, the boxing one. They're going to dare Kelly Oubre and Draymond Green to beat them. They're going to – Let's be real here. I will criticize Bob Myers. Kelly Oubre had to be traded at the deadline. Had to be. You do whatever you want. Who you get back? Now it's looking like Kelly Oubre won't come back. The only the only hope you have is a sign and trade. That's the only hope you have, I think. Why would he come back? No one, no Warriors fans like him. Not the way he started the season. He's not loved in the organization. The players, he doesn't really fit with their style. He should have been traded for Bogdanovich or I don't care who. Trade him for something. Trade him for cash considerations and a draft pick. If they can't execute a sign and trade, then you're getting nothing after this one-year Kelly Oubre experiment after Clay Thompson's injury. That's not good. Mm-hmm. There's a it, lot. There, there's as much pressure as, as there is on Steve Kerr. There's a lot on Bob Myers over these next few months. And you got to know that Lakeup is sitting there. He does not like what he sees. He does not want to be a 10 seed fighting for a playing spot. Just like Draymond said, he's not motivated by a playing spot. No. Not with Joe Lakeup. They've already had Chase Center their first year. You have these injuries and things go awry. And you've had a pandemic take fans away for a while. And when you can have limited fans, you're going to be a 10 seed maybe. When he, with Chase Center, they want to recoup stuff. I know they're still one of the most valuable franchises, but everybody did lose some money because of this whole thing. And the Warriors, they Lakeup does not want to see them at the bottom. He doesn't want to see him in the middle. He wants to see him competing for championships. He wants them to feel like the Lakers, where a lot of years you're very relevant still. Even if you're not going to win the title, you're relevant and you're talked about. Because even when the Lakers were bad, what were they? They were talked about because they had just those years, no matter what, if they were winning titles or not, where they were still competing for second, third round spots. The only reason the Warriors are talking about at this point is because Steph Curry. 
Yep, that's it. And as long as Steph Curry is around and on the team, they'll always be talked about because he has that sort of aura around him. But until once he leaves and they continue to play like this and go back to the 2004 Warriors, I mean, Chase Center will still get filled up because Warrior fans are like that. But let's be real here. They're, they're not – they go right back to the cellar where they're only showed because they play the Lakers. So someone better figure it out. There's a lot of pressure mounting in Golden State. But you know what? We'll get into more, I'm sure, Warriors talk over these next couple of podcasts. Be sure to check out all of our coverage this weekend. In a row. That were they're what? Watch them go win nine in a row and ten in a row after we talked about it. They're they're not. There's no chance. There's literally no chance. I don't think the Warriors are gonna win another title over the next ten years. That's outcasting pretty far. That is. Someone's got to take less money in their next contract, whether it's Steph, Draymond, or Clay. Someone's got to take less money. I I don't think we so. talked about it. I mean, I don't think Steph should though, because Steph already had that ridiculous thing where after that, the ankle problems early on, right? He was getting paid a lot less. I don't. For one of these players, why do you have to take less? You don't have to. For the, that's on the organization to figure out finances and do the right scouting and make the right moves. Yeah, but you also put a stranglehold when you got three max players. You don't have money to to do that. But the last guy that should be making that sacrifice again is Steph. I didn't say it had to be Steph. I said one of those three. Wiggins. I, I didn't even put Wiggins in there because I, I don't think he's on the team next year. Really? This roster is going to be so different next year. Good. Because it's a pain to watch on the eyes. Sometimes. Sometimes it's a lot of fun when Steph's hot. But other than that, terrible. Yeah, right. I like to put it on for a couple of guys playing well. but I would know. like to see what this team looks like with Clay Thompson because I think that changes everything. Clay changes a lot of things. He changes you defensively, offensively. He changes you in every aspect. Because if he gets hot too – if he and Steph are even just playing good together, well, the league's on watch. Yeah, I think that's that's the missing piece, and you're paying for him already. It's you're adding a Hall of Fame player next year. Hopefully, he comes back to his same Hall of Fame self next year. So that changes everything. That takes you from a ten seed to a four seed. Yep, that does, and that, that's got you having a really fun second round matchup against the top seed like the Lakers or Clippers as you would maybe project there next year. But that wraps it up for the 77th episode of the West Coast Preps podcast. Be sure to follow all of our work on social media at West Coast Preps underscore. Subscribe to our YouTube page for our podcast interviews and much more. And follow all of our work at westcoastpreps.com.